Just up top, a quick content warning. For a significant chunk of this episode, we discuss the Brittany Higgins story, which at its core is a story of sexual violence. We don't go into any details, mostly focusing on the media and political response to it, but the themes are still absolutely present. And if you're not up for that, maybe give this episode a miss and we'll catch you next time. Take care of yourself. You're listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. And I'm Evie. Tom Lang is out on assignment this week and we have Isaac in our headphones, not able to fact check this week because he gets all of his news from Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) But joining us this week all the way from Brisbane, uh, we have, I'm so excited for this, one of my personal favourite podcasts from the Floodcast. We have Joe. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing this morning? Hi, thanks for having me. Hello. Hello, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm, I genuinely am super excited to have you on because the Floodcast has been one of my favourite pods for a while. And then recently you've just released a bunch of episodes that have me so excited I haven't shut up about it. Like, <laughs> and I just I, I just want to make a plug for you guys up the top because I think it's the, some of the funniest shit is that last episode you guys talked about the book, um, what was it, Raising Hell and Raising Expectations. Yeah. You guys offered such a good analysis and it was so in-depth and exciting and invigorating that I ordered that goddamn book that day. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> but also, a couple of episodes ago, you guys spent, I think, 25 minutes opening an episode just by riffing on a 10-tweet tweet thread. Yes. <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> this, this describes our podcast. Um, <laughs> engaging with political theory and also looking at the dumbest shit that's happened on Twitter. <laughs> Hell, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's got the, it has the posters energy that I need. Yes, sometimes. Very much so. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. (laughs) There is a like movement in like leftist content creators to just be like, look, someone really needs to be out here more and more talking about the important stuff. But also, have you seen what this idiot said? Oh my God, this is funny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, like, not to jump ahead, I know we're going to talk about the Facebook stuff um, later on, but like, this week has really crystallized for me, like, how I get content and news. Like, like, I never go to any news sites. I just look at, like, all the takes online and then reverse engineer, like, what they're actually talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I think we bring that to the podcast, too, where we, like, start with the take and then go backwards. <laughs> I think to the point where, like, the, you know, uh, friends of the pod, Ozpol Snack Pod, sort of worked that backwards, where, like, they did start from the memes and, you know, then they talk about news from it, but... Yeah, one of the one of the picks getting around with the Facebook band that really I felt called out out about was the um the just the meme essentially saying that I don't know where you get all your news on Facebook. I just get it from Simpsons memes. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, I do, I do see takes like that first, and then I like then I go to the Guardian. <laughs> What's this referring to? That is what Homer would do. <laughs> So Victoria's had a pretty good week. We we, we got out of the, our coronavirus lockdown, uh, a, a slap in the face to all of the people who were like, oh, he signed the legislation for two weeks. That means he's going to secretly extend it. it. It was only five days. It was great. We, we, we got back in, out in the sun immediately. At the press conference where Dan Andrews announced that the lockdown was ending, uh, he, he got asked a really pretty deranged question by one of the press, which was, can you assure Victorians that there won't be another lockdown if more cases pop up? <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is like, what do you well, reckon, look, mate? No. What do you reckon? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> what kind of assurance is that? What did he actually say to that? It was just like, lol, no. Yeah, he just did the he just did the regular sort of dad thing of like, oh, I, I, that look, that's semantics. I'm not going to say it. He, he did he he did the act that Scott Morrison wishes he could do, which I've said numerous times on the pod. Dan Andrews has that like blokey bloke dad energy where he's just sort of like shuts people down and talks like a like a real bloke about things. And I, 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 and I'm not beating around the bush. No, that that's a silly question. So, all right. He he gave it like a full response, like it was a multi-paragraph thing. I can provide no guarantees because I'm not prepared to pretend the, do it in the Victorian voice community. I don't know how to do Dan Andrews. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just I'm just picturing the paragraph breaks between everything. It was the right yeah. thing to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's the very politician thing of you you receive an incredibly stupid question and you're just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if I just tell this guy that he's a moron, I'm going to lose votes. If he was really going for the appealing to millennials thing, he should have just done like the gym face to camera, um, <laughs> which would be oh, immediately oh. a gif. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> Politicians need to have someone filming their like press conferences with the Zoom ready and they know exactly where to look. And so like when Peter Credlin asks a question, they just do the like, Huh? Just uh, cut to camera two, zoom in, <laughs> frown and... <laughs> That's such a, like, that would be such an effective press strategy, but also I hate it so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would be complaining, like, I'm making a joke about it, but if he actually did that, I would be so mad. I would just cringe out of my skin completely. <laughs> it's like, um, was it last year when um, Bill Shorten went on Insiders and it's like, Scott Morrison is a simp. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> exact energy. I mean, I'm surprised that whoever, whatever the staffer was who thought that one up didn't actually come up with the idea of a fourth wall break face to camera during the press. <laughs> the idea of doing a real life fourth wall break. <laughs> it, there's so much to unpack in that. That's, <laughs> I, I need to move on. Um, uh, but also in uh, really good Victorian news, public drunkenness got decriminalised that Sounds like uh, to to this sort of uninformed. That just sounds like a, a sort of ve- fairly, I guess, civil. Like oh, okay, that's, a, that's just an ordinance that's been changed. But this is massive, massive news. Uh, public drunkenness in Victoria, hugely racist policy. Anyone who's been on the CBD in a Friday night knows that public drunkenness is entirely legal for white people. It was really just used as a way to lock up black people. And as we know from the decades and decades of people dying in custody, it was not a safe. Law, it resulted in, in, in lots of deaths in custody. So it's just there's been a uh, campaign to decriminalise public drunkenness for 30 years, I think the campaign has been going on. Oh, wow. The Royal Commission into Deaths in Custody recommended, hey, maybe don't lock people up just for being drunk. In, in 1990, that was a recommendation of a Royal Commission that finally has come into practice it's 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 great news. It's it's wonderful. As Luke Pearson um, has uh, reminded people, this is entirely a result as well of um, years of activism by the family of Auntie Tanya Day, um, who died in custody in 2017 as a result of these very laws. So we have her family and her friends and an entire grassroots movement to thank for that. Yeah, just just wonderful news. And this is like based on the numbers. Going forward from now, this is this is hundreds of lives saved. It's just phenomenal, and it's you know a terrible shame that it took this long, but it's genuinely great. That's a, a really wonderful thing that happened. One of this the week. Um, tweets that I saw that brought it home, I think it might have been um, Osman Faruqi, the uh, journalist uh, does the Seven AM podcast, which tweeted out that uh, public drunkenness 
uh, just got decriminalized. You might not know that it was a crime because it wasn't used <laughs> yeah. properly. They they it didn't target everyone. It was always an unjust and unfair law. So yeah, that that really struck me. Of like, fuck it, it. Yeah, it is. Fuck. <laughs> and also, I mean, I think like correct me if I'm wrong, but the Auntie Tanya Day case, like the way. She was arrested and brought into custody. I think she was like on a train asleep. Yes, that's right. Yeah, she yeah, wasn't being disruptive or anything like that. Like, she was simply asleep. It was asleep. literally just like, how can we criminalize this person? Uh, you know, what laws are there that we could use against her? Like, she wasn't, yeah, she wasn't disturbing the peace or anything like, I, I mean, I imagine that law at the time was, you know, justified in that respect, right? Like, our people are drunk and they're going to be out being disorderly. And that wasn't actually the case at all. So even on the even on like the the logic of the law itself, it didn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. So the other big story from this week is about Brittany Higgins, who is an Australian Parliamentary House staffer or former staffer, uh, who has come forward um, to say that she was sexually assaulted in an office by an APH staffer in Parliament House um, after a. Uh, a staff dinner. She reported this to um, other staff members. She reported it to security. I think she was in touch with um, the AFP as well at one point. Um, and this week has also, she said that she's re-engaged with the AFP to make a formal complaint. Because the event was years ago, yes, right? Yes, it was years and years ago. Um, and there's been, as we've talked about previously on the podcast, there's been multiple incidences of staffers um, and um accusations about other MPs who have um, harassed and assaulted staffers as well. Um, and nothing has come of that. Uh, we won't go into too much detail about what's actually happened here because I'm sure there are plenty of, like we'll put in the show notes, plenty of places to actually read the news about it. But I guess I wanted to talk about it today because of just the larger narrative of how we talk about um, when someone comes forward with a story of abuse or like either actual abuse or abuse of power and how that sort of gets disseminated by the people in their workplace, by the media. Uh, And I think the worst part about this week is just seeing things like this is in Australian Parliament House. You would assume this is the most secure place in the country, you know, the most surveilled place in the country. Um, And instead we have Scott Morrison um, talking about how he needed to have his wife explain to him what if it was your daughter, which is, <sighs> yeah, it, it's just it's, it's just something wild. really difficult. Like, I mean, this is something like I've heard so many times that men are incapable of understanding, you know, sexual abuse unless it's in the context of a woman that they know. But to really, like, hear the Prime Minister having to say out loud in this ter- in those terms, yeah, I couldn't really understand it until my wife had to explain this was a real human woman. Like, yeah, it, 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 it just boggles me. Like, I know this is Scott Morrison we're talking about, but holy shit. Yeah, like, often I think when these high-profile cases come out, like, men, older, older men in particular are, like, trying to frame it in a way that ends up being completely wrong but to me like I don't know I just I logged on to Twitter obviously and <laughs> the entire timeline was just all of this like the wives and daughters stuff over and over again and I don't know my p- possibly unpopular take is that it really used up a lot of people's outrage on Scott Morrison's comments and oh yeah definitely I, realized, I actually agree um, with that towards like the end of that one or two day news cycle that I really hadn't like as a sort of 
entirely passive consumer on this. As I said before, I don't go to news sites or seek out news. I just look at the timeline and, and it, it put it in my veins. And like, <laughs> what what was like coming through was just all you know. A lot of people saying saying this like, how fucked up is it that our prime minister can't form empathy unless he thinks about it as his daughters? But yeah, I, I had very little knowledge of like what had happened to Brittany Higgins, like what she was saying about it. Um, like what her story was and and where things were at with her case. Um, so I don't know. Like I'm not saying necessarily that, that was calculated on Morrison's part, uh, but either way, it turned out I think quite well for him, and that people were just talking about this on and on and on until the cows came home, and it distracted yeah. from the, the actual story. Yeah, I actually agree with that. Like it's it's sort of, and I think this is also just a symptom of Australia being unable to talk about or at least find a resolution conclusively for these kind of incidences, whether it be at Parliament House or in any workplace or, you know, home in the country, um, whenever someone comes forward with a story of abuse, is that, that we don't have the language and the the resolution um, that's satisfactory anymore. It doesn't feel like it, does it? And, and like, to add to that, like, you know, the on top of that is just defamation or completely screwing it for survivors as well like we can't even name someone either or like at least the victim can't name them yeah exactly and i think that's a good point like the the fact we have no real uh system in place to deal with these things and and i'm sure survivors you know when they come forward with a a complaint they know that (laughs) like you, you know you wouldn't be expecting in some way to to get justice through this process and in a way no one's really expecting that so we have to kind of focus on this this discursive level um, as a kind of substitute for actual change or justice or whatever that looks like in that context. It, it just feels very frustrating and exhausting to just be like, ah, oh, here we go again. Um, you know, here's another a woman who's come forward in, in extremely traumatic and brave circumstances to tell, talk about what's happened to her. Uh, and again, like I said before, in the in a place where you would consider it to be the most secure and safe place in the country, and yet, you know, she's been failed. And in the back of my head, I just know, like, a lot of women are thinking the same thing of, if Brittany can't get a resolution, what the fuck hope do I have in my workplace? Yeah. The other aspect of this, I think, is, is the the question of, like, what rights political staffers have in their jobs and, like, I'm not an expert on this. Uh, this is not going to stop me from, you know, opining <laughs> on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, my friends who who are political staffers or who have been, um, basically, it, it seems that, uh, you know, they have employment contracts, and I don't know what's in those contracts or what formal um, protections they have. But in reality, everyone knows that if you become a problem, you, you can go. Like you can be fired or made redundant, pretty much at will. Um, which I think adds a whole other layer to this story and, and to the problem of coming forward about sexual assault and rape, particularly like in that political class, um, is that, you know, they're good at looking after their own up to a certain point. <laughs> um, and there's definitely a hierarchy where, where staff is, you know, they're on the bottom of that and they feel the consequences. Yeah, I mean, there's there's that, almost that, like, there's almost been this, like, true crime element to the... Um, uh, yeah. To the reporting as well, where there's like sort of new details coming out every day of like, oh, and then there's like the steam cleaning thing where apparently some steam clean of the office was organized like at X date. And there's like this sort of drip feed of, of, of um, you know, crime details as well that are, that are quite, um, 
it's just sort of like a, a strange sort of way. I don't really know what my how to sort of phrase my emotions about that. But there is that thing of like people talking about, oh, you would think that Parliament would be very safe, and it's like maybe it was for the for the perpetrator. Like yeah. he was like, well, that that's a place where I certainly won't face any consequences. Yeah. Like. The, the idea that there was a sort of failure of the sort of security systems there doesn't seem to be the case. It, it seems like protecting the people who work there in that sort of echelon mm. is the sort of function of the security there. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about the only the only knowledge I have of Parliament House, like Canberra Federal Parliament House, is um, some friends who who went there a couple of years ago and um, they had you know contact on the inside and and. They were just like I was talking to them afterwards, and they were like, "I have never been so drunk." <laughs> like, <laughs> there's <laughs> there's just like a lot of booze circulating. Um, gotcha. I I do I don't know whether there's cocaine circulating. Wouldn't want to make um, allegations like that. Oh, politicians wouldn't be doing yeah, drugs. We've, no, we've said we've said numerous times on the podcast that there is absolutely no connection between cocaine use and Tony Abbott looking cooked on meaty things and having a marble table broken at a party that he once held at Parliament. Absolutely no connection. I cannot make that any more clear. It beggars belief, Mitch. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm glad we clarified that. Um, but yeah, it's obviously just a, a den of sickos. Uh, and I mean, unfortunately, like, yeah, if you are a young woman, you. You're just hanging out in a den of sickos as a young woman. It's not a safe place. Yeah. This is an interesting point, though, that you bring up, Joe, in that. It is like people talk it like, you know, we had that Four Corners uh, program about like, you know, the culture of the Canberra bubble and that sort of thing. But there are multiple factors at play aside from the fact that clearly predators have feel like they have safety in Parliament House. Um, you know, there's the culture of alcohol. Nobody likes to talk about it. But, you know, if there is a culture where there is like heavy drinking, then yes, there is going to be a culture of people who feel like they can take advantage of extremely vulnerable women um and Mm. like you know we know this from what workplaces used to be like um before there were workplace harassment laws and there was like freely available alcohol so we know this from the comedy scene like same sort of shit um that was the thing like listening to the guardian podcast on this and it, it, it a lot of it was actually focused on the wives and daughters thing which joe that's a really good point of like i know more about that and the comments about that and the fact that morrison thought that blew up in his face because he thought it was going to be good than i do about the case and whatnot but the thing that got me was a senior journalist from the guardian was talking on the podcast about like you know back in the day decades ago when a new like staff a female staff are signed on or a new young journalist joined the um the canberra bubble they would like get her a note telling her which like parliamentarians and staffers she needs to avoid and which ones she should be careful of when she goes out to do stuff and like that's been happening for decades and i don't know why that that one got to me even like i know that happens in the comedy scene now like you, you have to do that sort of whisper network shit but it's been going for so fucking long yeah like, like, and, and it's everything that led up to Me Too as well. And, like, you know, the, like everyone's probably read the kind of things that led up to, you know, the kind of accusations that happen in the US in, like, the media scene, in the comedy scene, where it's always stemming where everyone, every woman in the scene knows about the accusations before it blows up because yeah. they're all the ones who are being sort of groomed in the DMs, who are being groomed when they're drunk. Um, and, ha- like, you know, I've been intimidated into silence, but there's no sort of, again – there's 
it seems like we still keep getting stuck because we have no means of getting past having to have a whisper network because that's what saves women and protects women um, and only up to a certain point as well. Mm. (sighs) On the protections for the people inside that um, McLean brought up as well, I think that is a really good point, something that I want to hit. Just in terms of like there is the way parliament sort of should be working and then there's the way it actually works in terms of security and protection for staffers and like the legal protections and the workplace safety that they have. But there's been um, this story that's come out th- around the same time as this that uh, Craig Kelly has a senior staffer who has stayed in his role despite the fact that he's got accusations of like kissing teenage staffers on the neck and groping them and being just a real <sighs> fucking gross sexual predator. They took an AVO out on him and a criminal investigation was opened against him and he still had his position because the legal and workplace protections that are in place weren't like triggered they were like they weren't technically overreached so they didn't do anything to him and like that that's that's how it works he was protected Brittany higgins wasn't and that is working as it's fucking supposed to yeah because that's how the structure is made and he was a volunteer as well so he was literally there he was given a volunteer position in order to groom young women which is disgusting fucking- how do we have a structure in place to allow this old man to groom young women in a volunteer position. Really would have expected better out of Craig Kelly's office. I say. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. Fuck. God. Um, yeah, I hadn't looked at that article and I just opened the link now and the first, yeah, the image of the sky, Frank Zumbo came up. It's truly horrifying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just picture, picture like Craig Kelly's office manager who likes to groom teenagers and it's like, you know, you really, it's exactly what you Oh shit, I'm manifesting. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, truly dreadful shit. This is all to say that uh, I'm sure every fucking woman in Australia is exhausted about hearing about this shit with no resolution. And, and especially, like, this is the same week that the government just, like, casually abolished the family court as well. So, yeah, um, yeah it's been a really stellar week for women. Yeah, which was another thing that I felt didn't get enough airtime. I mean, I think it happened right at the end of the week, like Friday or something, but... I don't know. I, I might be just, this might just be confirmation bias, but I felt like everyone's outrage reserves were kind of used up and oh, yeah. sank without a trace almost. I think like that's definitely by design. Like Friday is where news goes to die before the weekend and it definitely, the oxygen was sucked out of that story um, deliberately. I, like I actually would say, like, you know, we, uh, I, I know that there's like a sort of a, a plausible deniability about whether that's calculated on the coalition's part, but no, I would say it's deliberate. If they actually voted on it on the Friday, then yes, it was. Yeah. They at least didn't not vote on it. Like, like I, I, I don't think you can truly ever overstate just how political politicians are. Like, even amongst all of this, like Scott, <laughs> Scott Morrison's a fucking, like, some sort of, sociopath he's evil he's he's craven i'm not gonna even say no, nothing neurotypical yeah. he's just evil like like satan and he would look at things like this and just be like you know what we couldn't do uh uh-huh. you know what i might be able to push through well i mean the whole family court abolishment is a purely political thing anyway like the the liberal party isn't doing it because they have a, a you know ideological opposition to the family court they're doing it because pauline hansen personally has an opposition to the family court because her brother her son 
got like lost access to his kids because he was like violent and Pauline Hanson was like, well, fuck the family court, then I'm going to go on a personal crusade for years and years and the Liberal Party supporting it because they need her support. Yeah. This is a key part of my politics now. Her constituency is family court dads. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> Jackie Lambie has like swung back to, she always, she, I feel like every time I see her, she's either doing something great or something terrible and it's really yeah. hard to form a position on her. <laughs> but um, yeah. She's she, really just on a switch. She is. She only has two settings. Loose unit, Loose unit I feel, is the official term. Yeah, she, she, swung back to, she, she swung back to the good side again. She's got some great quotes here. If you think the heartache and the suicides going on out there are bad enough, if you've got half a conscience, wait until you see what's coming because it's a train wreck in action. What is wrong with you people? You're playing with people's lives. I hope you can wear it, mate, because you're going to see a lot more hurt going on in these families and more suicides going on. I hope you can sleep at night time. Good on her. You disgust me. Fuck. Which, yeah. yes. Yeah. Queen. Well said. Well done, ja- well done Jackie. <laughs> Why can't you be like that all the time? I feel like she's giving a lot of benefit of the doubt to, like, Scott Morrison's ability to sleep at night. I reckon that man sleeps like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> if he sleeps at all. Yeah. He just sits in bed, like, perfectly awake, but still resting yeah. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> he just meditates in a pentagram of goat's blood. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> To be fair to Jackie Lambie, she's definitely had like a lot more good decisions than bad though. Like I reckon, can't think yeah. I like I think recently at least recently. I can't think of like a recent a recent bad decision. I think recently. Back in the day, Jackie Lambie fuck it sucked. Racist ex-military piece of shit. Absolutely unequivocally will never give her thing. I will never give her the time of day. What's her? Oh actually no, she's pretty good. Okay, cool. It's so weird. <laughs> I, I think that like she is probably a, a really good example of someone who has the capacity to change in that regard. Like, yes, she's ex-military. Mm. She used to be part of Clive Palmer's party. Um, but it, she's an example of a politician in the tradition that you would want, which is they listen to their constituents. Yeah. And and she and she genuinely like she does her job well because she's there for the right reasons. She's not there to like sort of – yeah. Like, yeah. she's not there for necessarily to wine and dine. Maybe she does do a bit of wine and dining, but, but like, she she does the element of the job which matters, which is listening to her constituents, taking the feedback, and she changes her mind if she needs to. I mean, she's not part of the political class, which is, like, basically the only reason she, yeah, can do any of that normal stuff is because Absolutely. she's politics from totally outside that background. Yeah, she she doesn't have she's not like parachuted there. She doesn't have yeah. like a like a three generations of people in the same seat. She's not a fucking downer. Um <laughs> that, that's with a capital D, the family. I think that regardless of the decisions yeah. that she's made, she's the maybe one of like let's say six federal MPs who's not a grifter. <laughs> six is very generous. Do you mean do you mean ever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, six no, lifetimes. I, I okay, like, I'll take that. I feel like, yeah, Lambie <laughs> and Ricky Muir were the politicians that sort of got in there and just got absolutely fucked by the political process. I remember Muir, like, in tears when he had to do some sort of vote on, like, you know, do you give dental health care to asylum seeker kids or do you torture people in some other place? And they, they essentially just wedged him. And he was like, this fucking sucks. And he was from the, like, the driving cars and doing burnouts party or whatever it was. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, the motoring enthusiast. Just like, I'm keen. You go for a bit of a spin. But so, <laughs> I'm an enthusiast. Yeah. But so, like, so him and um, Lambie, I think, like, I mean, Lambie's obviously stayed, were hardened by the political process. And that's why she's there now. I'm just like, oh, shit. Oh, this is all just whining and dining. This is all just backstabbing. Fuck this. I have a good position. I'm going to talk to my constituents. And as soon as she actually talked to the people that voted for her and just the people in Australia in general, 
she has changed her opinion on so many things and the opinion regularly goes against the Labour and Liberal Party because the Labour and Liberal Party don't represent Australian people. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to say the whole Labour and Liberal Party thing every time, Mitch. You can just say the coalition. <laughs> <laughs> the real coalition. It's like she, um, and she's sort of regarded as this kind of weirdo because she's doing this sort of one weird trick to do politics, which is listening to <laughs> constituents, and everyone's like, I don't know. <laughs> Dutton hates her. <laughs> Yeah. Jackie Lambie released the secrets about the Australian Defence Force. Oh, do it. That would be amazing. <laughs> Just, everybody release, release all the, the secrets. Everybody's got all the secrets. Every time these controversies come up, people are like, oh, I've, I could say things about you too. It's like, well, do then. Come on. I just remembered the one bad thing that she did was she voted against um, the Medev- – was it the Medevac bill or something? It was something to do with asylum yeah, seekers. Something but, like that. But she yeah. did a deal and she's basically she said the deal had not been made, that she was – promised um, and that she was going to spill the beans basically on what she had been promised because she's basically a woman scorned now that she had like what I think it is is something I, my guess at least is something to do with the child brides in Daesh I think she was probably made a promise um, to have them released and because she's ex-military that would be quite important to her um, but if if it's something of that nature I can see why she'd be extremely fucking pissed off that you know she was promised something you know, what she felt was material and important. And now, like, it's compromised her beliefs. And now she's like, fuck all of you. <laughs> you know, I'll never do that again. I'll never, like, make any sort of, like, political deal because it's compromised my beliefs in that way. Yeah. One correction, though. Definitely and not she the hasn't only bad. Seen- definitely not the only bad thing she's voted for, but yeah. Oh, just, no, no, I definitely not. I just don't but want I mean, to erase her bad past. I just want to give her a prop. No, 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 definitely not. But, like, I think that's the last bad one that I can think of. Speaking of, like, getting news from The Simpsons, I just thought of the whole, like, take off the rock of shame, put on the rock of remembrance. It's like, yay, Jackie Lambie, never forget what you did. <laughs> Um, there was also one story that came out of the, um, the sort of general discussion around the Brittany Higgins one, uh, which was actually a really old story. It's from a couple of years ago, but it really is just crazy. And I, I want to talk about it for a little bit. So, yeah, it's from, from two years ago. It's um, this clip that came out when Scott Morrison um, was talking about, you know, oh, now that uh, Jenny told me that, uh, you know, maybe uh, any woman has value, I, I thought maybe the, the, the you know, the, the crime was bad. Like this uh, clip came out of him talking about why he sends his daughters to private school. And the reason that he cited was uh, this uh, program aimed at year nine students called the Building Respectful Relationship <laughs> Program. And... <laughs> he said this this he said that that's part of the content of the course made his skin curl and because it uh, included a, as one of the sort of case studies a 17 year old bisexual woman who has had 15 sexual <laughs> partners and he said that talking about that does not meet his values <laughs> wait, wait 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 did he just did he actually say it made his skin curl yeah not crawl he, he said it made his skin <laughs> curl not his skin crawl and not his toes <laughs> curl his skin <laughs> curl can't even fucking get an idiom right what an idiom I think he's actually showing us his um Hinting that he is a lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> it made my skin curl and Shedding shed skin right of the off. Day, it's curling up. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> a rare slip. Peeling straight off his face. <laughs> no! Just big skin flaps hanging off of his neck. Oh, I hate this course. 
<laughs> oh, this, this is not the part of the, the, that I really found objectionable. <laughs> I, I just want to. Oh no, we're distracting you, from the message. Before you move on, I just want to. I just want to say again that the, the the thing that didn't align with his values was a program called the Building Respectful Relationships. The whole point is that that seventeen-year-old hypothetical bisexual woman with fifteen sexual partners doesn't meet your values, and you're supposed to build respectful relationships with her. And he's like, absolutely not. Well, it's. It's not even like if the 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 um the news story has the sort of excerpt from the course which is talking about this girl who it's like you know she's 17 she lives in the city she works in a local cafe she's had 15 sexual partners and describes herself as bisexual blah 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 she rarely practices safe sex she forgets to protect herself because she's often drunk when she has sex and it's got a little quote from her like oh I'm really bad with that like honestly uh, that sort of sounds cool as hell you just go with the flow that sort of thing like yeah she rocks (laughs) clear Really, this bit of like the year nine, you know, building respectful relationships course is like, do you have a friend who's a super loose unit? (laughs) How would you talk to her, you know, to say, maybe you should use protection when you're sleeping around a bunch. Like, it's clearly not just the, 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 you know, the teacher putting this like slide up on the overhead and just being like, she seems pretty rad, hey? (laughs) Straight up. This is like exactly related to like safe schools. yeah. Yeah. It's just like Scott Morrison's like, I do not want my daughters to be equipped with the tools to have healthy discussions about <laughs> sex and to, you know, engage in a social circle that understands consent. Yeah. Like, he, he's like, I, I flatly reject that that should be a thing. People should go into, you know, all of this blind because as soon as an adult tries to educate a child about how to approach relationships respectfully. Oh, you're putting bad ideas in their head. Well, the what thing the about this that I love is like, it is all hypothetical. I mean, we talk a lot um, online about, you know, leftists making up a new type of guy to be mad at, <laughs> but this is just, this is it. This is just like making up a bisexual woman to be mad at. <laughs> like, no one is forcing your daughters to be a bisexual woman working in a cafe with 15 sexual partners. Like it's literally just a case study. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's an imaginary person. <laughs> the problem, the problem is that in this hypothetical, they named her Megan. And so that's why he got mad. It's like, ah, she's real. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Well, again, Megan, you rocked it. I mean, don't, I'm not going to say don't change. Never change me. It's actually, no, no, change, please. Ch- but change also. one thing. Uh, definitely, like use yeah, protection. Yeah, use for protection, your own Megan. Sake, but otherwise, don't. You sound cool. <laughs> yeah. Come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Big news in Australia this week, or is it? Is there any news at all? God, I'm um, so. I know I made that joke up top. I'm also sick of it. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah, keep making it. We should, yeah. <laughs> Where did we read about this? There's no news. The 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 big news is that Facebook. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's a uh, website uh, that does news. They, uh, as part of like a big uh, argy bargy that they've been having with the the media in Australia, banned all links to news. Uh, across the whole website in Australia. No news links from newspapers or even people talking about news. They just shut the whole thing down. So everyone's like, oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't really think that a thing could happen in Australia that changed. That's crazy. <laughs> but also, like, did it change anything? I don't know. Nah. Like, I don't really use Facebook 
at all these days, I realise. The thing it changed, though, is, of course, the fact that um, they were like, okay, we're going to take away all the news uh, websites from Facebook. It also took down hundreds and hundreds of pages that weren't news websites. Yes, okay, that was, yeah. It went from, like, as, like, innocuous as, say, like, the Bureau of Meteorology to completely bizarre, like, the North Shore Mums Facebook page. Um, yeah, it, it, and it was like a bit of controversy where it was also taking down like coronavirus information pages, frontline and, services, you know, like emergency bushfire alerts, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- those are news, so fair play. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's all arising out of this yeah big ongoing argument that Facebook's having with the news media in Australia, where the news media is like, Facebook, you should pay us because you're benefiting from our content, and Facebook's like, oh, we can just shut it down, you know. <laughs> And then, then you won't get any clicks. Um, and basically, there's just this this big argument that's happening between the two of them. Um, it's just it's it's sort of difficult to engage with because there's no good side. There's yeah, a exactly. lot of people who are trying to say like, "Oh, whose side should we be on?" And it's like neither side. The, the, that's <laughs> the the. the, the it, it's just there's no good people. There's just like billionaires clawing over the, the how much they can extract from the public. That's the thing that I like uh, was going to bring up at the end of this, but fuck it, we'll do it now. Um, Hit it. But just like this, ba- this, this point that I've seen on the left and the right, I mean, it's probably just more of an online thing, but this desire for people to break these stories down into two sides and then a desire to pick one in everything. And like, yeah. it's just getting worse and worse. It's like people just being like, ha-ha, Facebook actually did it. Fuck yeah, Facebook. Or just like, yeah, give them hell, ScoMo. Fuck Facebook. And like, it can just be, it can ju- there can just be three players in this and all three are bad. And the next step from that is also like, we don't win in any case. Our government sucks. The big media company sucks. And Facebook and Google also suck. None of the outcomes are good for us. Mm. And I just saw so much. Um, I mean, we, we will link to a couple of good articles, which also sta- state that, where they're just like, Jesus Christ, guys, this is just bad. Can we just stop with the, with the tribe yeah. stuff? It's, it's the people have like this really sort of like inbuilt need to storify a thing. Yeah. They're just like, who's the hero here and who's the villain? They're looking at the, the Facebook media yeah. like d- controversy and just being like, how does this fit into Joseph Campbell's framework of the hero's journey? <laughs> like, wh- wh- which part's the call to adventure? Which part's the, like, fuck off. It's just bad things happening in the world. It's real. It's not a story. <laughs> and it's, a, it, it's just a demonstration as well of just how easy it would have been for Facebook to, like, get rid of extremely objectable and, ra- like, radicalised material mm way, way, way earlier, um, and now they're just doing it out of spite for their own means because they don't want to cough up any money. It's like, oh, God. I kind of disagree with that angle. I've seen that one come out a couple of times, and I'm not sure that it's really true because with this particular one, Facebook is doing it as a fuck you. So when they're like, oh, we've got to ban like the Nazis and that sort of thing, they're like, where's the line? You know, like, what, I- what you know, do we want to preserve freedom of speech do, like it's not an excuse for not banning the Nazis, but it is like a different sort of reasoning of like their goal in blanking out the news is as a power play uh, to okay. yeah, fair enough. show off how strong they are to Australia. And so then no part of them is like, oh, we don't want to accidentally ban things that are not news, though. They're just like, fuck yeah, yeah. hit the yeah. ban button, yeah, get yeah. the lot. Oh, you like that bomb? Oh, it'd be a shame if someone just banned <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> oh, was that not news? I didn't realise. I'm so sorry. Whoops-a-daisy. I also think a lot of the narrative around um, who uses Facebook anymore anyway to disseminate news is going back to what you said before, Joe, about like how a lot of people just don't go to a news website anymore. You disseminate news backwards. And I, I truthfully, 
I think people like, you know, millennials and Gen Z people just don't use Facebook. That's fine. But we are definitely in a bubble where we still disseminate news from somewhere that is not a news website. And our parents use Facebook. Other like non-English speaking communities use Facebook and WhatsApp in the in that way. You know, there are loads of communities. Mm. Like Facebook is directly responsible for the Myanmar genocide. So this is... To say that nobody uses Facebook is not correct. Yeah, usage has gone down in certain communities, but it's still largely responsible for the dissemination of news in a very big and consequential way. So you can't really dismiss it from that angle. Just from headlines too. Like Mm. the reason why these media companies, the big ones are trying to hit out about it, partly, is because they're not getting the ad revenue they used to because people don't click through. They just see a story and then share it and then the news gets spread and Facebook gets all the clicks and the likes and the views and then no one, especially because it's part of the, most of them are fucking paywalled. I'm not giving a subscription to The Australian, even if I do want to see how John Canavan's fucking coal company shut down. Like, nah, I'm good. I'll read that. A headline i'll laugh and then i'll look at a meme is it um is it twitter now who like if you retweet something or share it without clicking on the article they're like hmm, do you want to read the story do you want to click? Like, no i've yes. not seen that <laughs> what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think i'm a big fucking nerd no yeah <laughs> i don't have time for <laughs> no but i mean i i put this in the notes it's kind of like a random take but it did occur to me that watching this whole thing that I hope Australian unions are paying attention to this debacle. It's like a really good example of how just to strike until you get the thing you want. Like, and just be like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm just taking this away from you and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, which is not, again, to come down on the side of Facebook in this or to say that they are like the workers. They're not. But, you know, just in terms of the negotiating tactic, it's kind of a great power play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Identify the power that you wield and then wield it. <laughs> oh, no. Someone terrible made a point that you agree with. It's just Facebook showing the ACTU what <laughs> yeah, they should yeah, yeah. be fucking doing. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is the the other thing as well, the other side of this, that I didn't really see reported much anywhere in long form um, reporting. Obviously, Twitter has everything. But, like, there's really not that much of a forceful discussion about maybe our communications network shouldn't be privatized, let alone centralized. They've done such a good job over the last, you know, 40 years with the end of history and all the rest of it and capitalism gone mad, blah, 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 of making people think that there is like government services or there's freedom. And really it's government services or private services. And we're seeing now that like, maybe we want a nationalized news service more than just, you know, the ABC doing some reporting and having their funding slash like we need a proper nationalized communications network we need nationalized messaging dms and whatnot and i just i just don't see so much of a conversation about like oh yeah like all of these fucking uh, news companies were the ones that pivoted to video as soon as they could because Facebook was going like, yeah, the video stuff's really good. That's where the metrics are. That's where the money is. And then it turns out this private company was lying about it. And then they were just like, oh, shit, we're collapsing. And they've just, they had, they didn't learn from that. They didn't get off Facebook. They didn't try to build anything else. They didn't petition the government to try to tax them more and then spend that money on better services that are provided, you know, by the government. They just went, ah, oh, well, what does Facebook reckon next? That's where the people are. Ha ha. Yeah, it's a really interesting one because this is just the government is so shit, where (laughs) especially with tech stuff, like it's like, yeah, a functional society, like a functional society that has social media as part of its infrastructure, which is just, you know, that's how society works these days, that 
functional society probably shouldn't have that social media infrastructure entirely run by private companies. That doesn't seem healthy. But on the other hand, you know, you suggested like our DMs, we should have, you know, a socialized DMs service that we can run our instant messaging over. But if the Australian government was like, hey, we're releasing a new communications app and you should do all of your messaging on the Australian government communications app. Absolutely fucking not. No No. way. Because one, it wouldn't work well at all. (laughs) They would spend $100 trillion to make a thing that just connected, you know, 2% of the time. And then also, two, I I wouldn't trust it. Like, I wouldn't trust it to be executed competently and I wouldn't trust it to be executed honestly because the government is shit and and that bleeds into everything. We can't have nice things because... The government fucking sucks. Even we, even when we identify a project that would be good, you can't assume that it would yeah. be done. No, well. I entirely agree. Communist revolution now. Just yeah. extrapolating here for you, but the McLean is one hundred percent on board for a violent revolution. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Violence. I yes. don't think that violence is the answer because it would just justify a stronger police crackdown. What we do is need to destroy capital. <laughs> But McLean, how do we destroy capital without? Just identify the investments of the politicians that we're targeting and destroy. How do we destroy without violence? Let's let the market decide. I agree. Libertarian government. Violence against property isn't violence. (laughs) (gasps) I do not want to send my daughters to your school whatsoever. That does not align with my beliefs. The 17-year-old uh, bisexual who's got 15 sexual partners and has thrown 15 bricks through 15 windows of 15. It's all about building respectful relationships. <laughs> now it's extremely unfair that this girl isn't real. Okay. <laughs> Just as a quick little story to wrap up uh, this week, uh, Labor Senator and Shadow Minister for, Jesus Christ, Home Affairs, Immigration and Citizenship and Government Accountability, Christina Kersher-Keneally, or KKK as we call her around here because those are just her initials, um, she was trying to score political points on Twitter by really blatantly and transparently lying about the Greens Party. In a really, really like obvious sort of way. It was. Uh, sorry, gross. I'll just stop you there. The Greens political party. Oh, the Greens oh. political party, of course. Yes. <laughs> God damn it! Um, but I mean, like, basically, the, the, there's just two tweets in a row which sort of sum up exactly what happened. So the first one from old KKK, Christina Kersher Keneally, KKK. Um, <laughs> All right, Mitch, come on. also she's racist uh, (laughs) um, she tweeted out here's the shocking moment Greens tried to stop the Australian Senate recognising pregnancy and infant loss remembrance day for October 15th it's unbelievable anyone would try to stop acknowledging a day so important to families who have lost a baby through stillbirth, infant death or miscarriage, seems pretty bad the second tweet from Green Senator Janet Rice Christina, you know this is misleading. It was Senator Patrick who denied leave for the motion, which Larissa Waters and I were co-signatories and big supporters of. We didn't support the ALP moving four motions together because it makes a mockery of the whole process of voting on a motion. So in summation, it really does look like Christina Kersher Keneally took the opportunity to use something that was supposed to, like, in a way provide some sort of emotional support and recognition to families grieving one of the worst things that can happen to them 
to take a dunk on the Greens duplicitly because they opposed a procedure in the Senate. Really yeah. fucking it- disgusting yeah, they separated shit. the bill out. And the Greens voted for it. Like, the, the Greens just demonstrably were not opposed to Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. They were co-signatories! All, but- they, 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 yes! <laughs> that you cannot be more of a supporter. And, th- and this is the thing as well. Th- like, we were talking before we started recording about, like, do we want to talk about KKK just shooting a tweet off? And I think we do because this is how politics works in some way now. This isn't all of politics, Politicians try to score points like this now. And this was just a super blatant way of trying to, to do it. It's like, I, like I, I don't know why I did this. I went to the Hansard and I was reading directly like the whole Senate thing. And like <laughs> Senator no, Waters. Good. Everyone should read the Hansard. No, they shouldn't. Be a nerd. No, read absolutely do not. Um, go watch the footy, Evie. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is like a direct quote. Okay, no, let's stop. <laughs> a direct quote from uh, Larissa Waters from the Greens. As a point of principle, we want it placed on record that we oppose moving motions on block. We don't want to set a precedent to do that. The Labour Party, and this is my tinfoil hat. This is this is my big conspiracy theory on this, is that the Labour Party were trying to set a precedent where you could jam together a bunch of motions. It's not a conspiracy. It's straight up. Like, they were doing it on purpose. Like, you don't lump all these together without having a specific motion to do it. But they wanted to do it with these particular Motions, because yeah, the other absolutely. ones, the other ones were this is this is wild. The other three motions that are lumped lump together were recognizing the thirteenth anniversary of the stolen generation apology, recognizing the Tasmanians nominated for the Australian of the Year award, and another one was this vague giving a kiss to America and standing in solidarity for the Capitol Hill riots, which at this point happened like nine and a half years ago. Who gives a shit? <laughs> and they are quite transparently putting these bills together to be like, oh, you're not going to vote against this, are you? Would would hate for the public to think that you're voting against any one of these, wouldn't you? And the Greens went, fuck yeah. off. Stop voting against your emotions. Stop voting against your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have to, I, I really like, uh, aside from like Janet specifically and Larissa Waters specifically calling out how disingenuous Christina's tweet was. Christina Kershaw Keneally. Um, Christina Kershaw Keneally's tweet was. Um, I really have to give it to them for knowing that they were being set up yeah. for this. They, they recognised it from the start. You can see in Hansard um, that Senator Waters knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And I really full credit to the Greens for like doing this stuff where they're like, actually, fucking no. Uh, we know what you're doing. You're trying to set up this precedent. We want it on the record that we oppose moving these motions. And th- you just know that in the background they're like, there's going to be a thing. This is going to be a whole thing. Um, you know, either Keneally or someone is going to say, oh, how dare they do? You know, vote against this one mo- motion. Because... For the large part, the average voter in either either federally or on a state basis doesn't understand the motions of parliament. Like you learn a little bit in primary school or high school and then you forget about it. You just hear voting for or voting against. Like, you know, you, you don't yeah. really understand the procedures of it. That's not a bad thing. You're um, still thinking about the 17-year-old bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> the 17-year-old bisexual that. learns that in high school and she she shouldn't have to think about it again. Like, all, all credit to her. Like, she, this should be something that just works, um, you know, without anyone really having to think about that. 
So when they see a tweet like Christine Kersha Keneally's, um, um, they're going to take it at face value and say, wow, why did these evil Greens vote against this? They're not going to think about all the minor procedures that take place. And they know that whoever gets first in the news cycle about it is immediately going to be the first one listened to. So I'm glad that the Greens really came out all guns blazing and showing just what a hypocrite she was. I think it's a a very cynical um, play as well because I think in political campaigning, I guess um, there's a a kind of rule that like if you have to explain something, then you've already lost. Like yeah, you, know, you could yeah. you you could be a hundred percent in the right, as you know, I'm sure the green senators are here in that you know it's a procedural thing and blah blah blah. But just the very fact of you having to like uh, justify and explain something, like it already means that you look like you're being defensive and that you you know you look like you're making excuses. So. The person who gets out first with like a clear narrative about how disgusting this is, like they've already won. So I have no doubt it was a, a super cynical move. And yeah, like good on um, Janet Rice and Larissa Waters um, for being really upfront about it. But I don't doubt that a lot of people saw that and, and took KKK's message from it that she wanted yeah. to say. I, I just want to read out the, the little part of her tweet again. This is this is her, her her tweet. It's unbelievable anyone would would try and stop acknowledging a day so important to families who have lost a baby through stillbirth, infant death, or miscarriage. She wrote out knowing that that wasn't true. Yeah, like it's the lie. It's it's so cynical. Like it's not just like oh she's using a procedural you know janky motion to like as soon as you start explaining it you've lost like that. She's doing that off the back of families who are grieving a child. Um, I need to point out here that she is a family who has experienced this. She herself oh has God. experienced this. Mate. She's the patron. She's the patron of the Stillbirth Foundation Australia. Fuck me. That is the most cynical fucking thing I've Cynical's ever heard. Cynical's not yeah, doing it's... enough for me. In <laughs> that that word is not yeah. doing enough. That is <laughs> I really want to try to express how fucking morally bankrupt and hollow that is to fucking spell out the three ways to point how it's unbelievable anyone would do it on a procedural hiccup that is a lie that is fucking disgusting yeah, that is a knowing lie like i know that Mitch has this really wearisome joke where he, he put, says Christina Kersha Keneally's middle name every time because it's like, oh, KKK, she's a bad person. But, like, it really can't be emphasised enough that she's a really, Fucking really horror. bad person. Um, I was just going to note that um, Janet Rice has also had experience with, in this, with this terrible tragedy. Like, oh she God. wrote an article for Junkie a few years ago about how her partner Penny and she were expecting twins and then they found out one of the twins uh, had spina bifida um, and, and, a, and a, I can't pronounce that, but a condition that re- results in death a few hours after birth. And so they had to have oh a late-term God. abortion. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, imagine. <laughs> like, yeah, it's terrible. So fucking cynical. Um, fuck off. I, yeah. Really. I don't even. Ah, oh, there's like 10 different layers to how bad this is now. This is, oh, this is too much. Just a piece I of shit. This. Just a yeah, just Christina Keneally is the enough. worst <laughs> fucking person, and also I just want to. This is totally unrelated. Well, not totally unrelated to the the uh, Janet Rice is also great. I think Janet <laughs> Rice is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I I spoke to her. This is years and years ago at a Greens event. Um, just I I can't even remember years ago. Um, where she was talking about just like how she cycles to work like every day, and uh, you know, rain or shine, and. 
I, I just carried that with me for the, the rest of my life since of just like anytime it's like kind of shit weather and I was planning to cycle, I'm like, well, if Janet Rice can do it, you know, <laughs> I can do it. And that means that I've, I've adopted cycling as like an exclusive mode of transport for like nearly a decade now. And I really think that, that like in terms of like personal benefit to my physical health and longevity, I genuinely owe probably years <laughs> to Janet Rice personally. So <laughs> just shout out to Janet Rice for yeah. that. <laughs> so angry I, I, don't, I don't even know how to cycle yeah, out into like shout out hey thanks for coming on it's like ah it's just wordless <laughs> Jungian screaming into the void just I actually <laughs> oh, I, I have to apologize because I thought I thought you guys knew <laughs> that, that's why I wanted to mention it specifically that like she she'd experienced it herself and she was like the she's the I patient of the know, foundation it's terrible genuinely fucking yeah crazy yeah Ah, Christina Keneally's such a bad person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> hey, Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, no, thanks, <laughs> I love to start off Sunday morning with some, some yeah, rage. Yeah, yeah. well founded yeah. rage, rage at Labour politicians. Really angry up yeah. the blood. Yeah. <laughs> Get me jazz for my meal prep later. <laughs> Just angrily cooking a curry. <laughs> Furiously slicing some onions. These are tears of rage. You're so bad. But no, it, it, this was fucking great to have you on. Thanks so much for uh, for agreeing to come on. Yeah, no. Do you happen. have um, any plugs that you want to make? Feel free. Go ahead. Um, not really apart from my own podcast i guess so you can find us on soundcloud forward slash flood media um if you search on itunes for us um under podcast that will also come up and we are on twitter uh and i'm trying to remember our twitter handle uh at flood media au (laughs) heights of professionalism here Um, but yeah any of those things should should get you eventually to a place where where you can be enveloped by our, our dulcet tones and we mostly just um podcast about how much we hate the labor party so if that's no. like what you're into oh, i don't know if um, any of our listeners are into that <laughs> no i don't think so it seems like a bit of a different demographic <laughs> yeah if you've made it this far into this episode definitely check out the podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> no thanks for coming on this has been great yeah thank you yeah this is a delight to have you uh, thanks again for listening to Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us on all the socials at at notgoodpod or email us at notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Yeah, you fucking hear that, Bunta? That's how you do it. Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Yagara and Turrbal people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was ever ceded.